Welcome to the show. This week's guest has her latest single out called Wild Summer and has just started an artist service called Taylor Entertainment. Yeah, she's got a brand new pair of singles as well on uh, Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you get your streaming. It's called Mrs. Jones. There's an Evelyn version and a Becky version, and they're both really super cool in their own way. Let's bring her on. Hey, Danny Strong, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. The pleasure is all ours. <laughs> we were uh, excited to talk to you because you've got some big things happening in uh, in your world, and so we wanted to talk about it. Yes, I'm big time. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I just decided in 2020 I should go big time now, so that's what I'm doing. That's reasonable. You put it out in the universe, it'll happen. Yeah, so, so I put it out in January, and uh, yeah, so far so good for this year. <laughs> so I, I want to talk about uh, all of the things going on, but first I want to know, uh, because we ask all of our guests this, uh, with the whole COVID-19 thing, how have you been keeping uh, the family occupied? <laughs> you know, it, I, I've got kids, it's not been easy. Yeah. <laughs> I am a terrible teacher. That I think, <laughs> which is good to know because I actually went to university to be a music teacher. <laughs> so good thing I dropped out to be a rock star because <laughs> um, both are going so well right now. Uh, the kids are the kids are good. The, my kids, you know, they they uh, get it. They understand that uh, there's something really big happening in the world and. And that they have to whine less, basically. And they've been fairly decent at that. And, you know, kudos to them. I think I probably would have been a worse kid than they are for me. But the hard part is, is that I, I work from home. I do all of my music stuff from home. And so I kind of just have this, like, mom guilt of because I'm here. Mm -hmm. and But my face is buried in a computer. And so they don't – I hate that they see me like that, you know. And then you feel guilty when you completely tune them out and didn't hear everything that they said for the past five minutes. But we're getting through it. Yeah, that's – I mean, fam on the family front, we're good, you know. But COVID hit hard for, for me, you know, with an album release year. Um, I've been working for three years up to 2020, literally like that whole big time thing was a joke, but, <laughs> but, <laughs> but for real, I've been like, it's been three years working up to basically March, 2020, which was when I was to start my national tour. And, uh, yeah, so I'm positive to a fault usually. So I think I've taken it pretty well. And I just try not to think about kind of what the outcome of what's actually happening with my album release. <laughs> so. Well, so you released Wild Summer back in March and that's what kind mm -hmm. of when the world started falling apart. So how did you yeah. uh, how did you handle that? <sighs> oh, fine, I guess. I just drank. I don't know. <laughs> 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 I know, it was just funny because I'm not even really a drinker, but I am now uh, <laughs> literally you're you're saying these words as amy and i are both taking a sip from our glass from our adult beverages. oh you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna open mine do, do it. it do it man. yeah it's afternoon for welcome me to the show um thank goodness grant actually got sober in january smart guy so we saved a fortune with <laughs> with that through pandemic but um no i i mean wild summer came out and, and it's funny because scotty will know this because when you put out a song you actually send it quite in advance. Yep. So 
obviously I, I had no idea. I mean, when the day that it did come out there, like stuff was just starting to happen. But when I was choosing the date, gosh, no, I mean, I had no idea. I did come out, you know, quite well in advance to summer with it being a summer song, but that was just more my, um, me thinking I was smart because I figured I being an independent artist, it's, it's pretty tough, um, at radio. So I knew I would need some time to like weasel my way in to some playlists. And so, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I, that's why I put it out then, but literally our first date of the tour was March 23rd in Halifax. So I was supposed to be flying out on, I think the 17th to prep. And yeah, so the song came out and Mallory Johnson and I, she was going on the tour with me. I texted her and I said, Hey Mal, I, I think we might have to cancel this tour. And it was still super early. And honestly, I think it's only because my family is a big sports family. So we were watching a lot of the NBA Mm -hmm. and I don't know if you guys remember, but that was, so my song came out and then that night, the, like the NBA had made that decision to shut down, to basically shut down the league. And so I knew that this was like massive. I mean, that's, that's millions Huge. and millions yeah. of dollars of loss that they decided was, was, you know, it's more, the health was more important. So, uh, Mallory was about to go on tour with the rack laws like that week. And she, she just like, well, what do you mean? Like, do you want to just cancel the radio or like the full, the full tour? And I was like, I think the full tour, <laughs> this was actually the day before. And then we were, and then we realized on that day we had to do it. And I just said, can we just let my like song come out and then we'll cancel the tour the day after. <laughs> like, okay. So seriously, that's what happened. My song came out. I posted about it. And the next day it was like our national tour eight, like I think it was like eight weeks uh, was canceled, oh, and that took me four months to plan that by myself. It was it was insane. Yeah, and I think that uh, y- you uh, would have felt that devastation, get gearing up, of spending all of that time uh, getting ready for those dates, and then having it canceled. As so many artists feeling it, I know Scotty, you felt it too, right? I mean, sure. you had a lot mm-hmm. of plans, and uh, yeah, kind of. It it's so weird because Danny, you're right. We we have to release these songs a minimum of four weeks in advance. Uh, why is that? Mm-hmm. Tell me why that is. Uh, so when you upload for Spotify, Apple Music, that type of stuff, uh, there's a, a minimum of four-week lead time. Okay. Uh, so you upload it to your digital aggregator, and then they get it out to all of the mm-hmm. other places. So mm-hmm. um, so there's a lot that goes into it that uh, you know the normal people don't know about, right? So you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's not as simple as us just saying, okay, we're going to go now and you push upload and it's live. It's, sure. It doesn't work like that. Um, so we, everything that we do, you're, you're generally backed up between four and eight weeks and there's all of the, the planning prior to that even. So like you're yeah, talking and, about- And in that time too, before like once the stores receive it, yeah. that's when you apply for a playlist and blah, blah, blah. There's right. a lot of work. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because of course me with my radio br- background, I see mm-hmm. it when it just comes to me, right? But I, you know, mm-hmm. having the whole backlog of yeah. how that happens, totally different. Yeah. Yeah. So you put all this work in and then the world shuts down. <laughs> what is your next move? Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a tough question, it, right? Like, because we 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 can't gig anymore. You've got yeah. this song out, but playlists are largely frozen because nobody knows what's going on in the world. They're transitioning yeah. to broadcasting from home. 
uh, not a lot of ads happening, right? So, it, I mean, for us, it was React, right? Like it was so unprecedented that I don't think I honestly felt the impact until eight weeks later, which might sound crazy, but like we just went into like we really, I mean, we took it seriously. I, don't get me wrong, I I wept <laughs> for two yeah, yeah, yeah. for a for two days. Like I did. I mean. Um, like I said, whatever, I won't go into how hard I worked on that tour, but it, it was crazy, but also I gained so much knowledge, so it wasn't complete loss, but, uh, you know, we really shut down. My mom's a type one diabetic with, um, severe asthma and, and there's also six children under five between me and my siblings here. And two of my sisters worked in the hospital. One's an eMERGE nurse and one's a respiratory therapist. So, I mean, it was, yeah, it was like really crazy. We literally, you know, we shut down, we locked down, we, you know, we just, we just did what we had to do. We tried to learn, we tried to educate. It was a lot of kind of relearning how to live for that first little bit. Like I said, trying to be a teacher, trying trying to educate your children without scaring them, blah, blah, blah. Um, it was <laughs> it was a lot of that. And then finally, when when things if, thankfully for me, where I am, for for better or worse, we're kind of business as usual here because we're we're in the middle of the Rocky Mountains like. Right. Um, you know what I mean? Like there's no better place to be. So when things started to kind of clear and then, you know, nothing came to us and, and, uh, we thank we're thankfully untouched. Um, that's when it started to kind of sink in. Like when all of a sudden, uh, you know, we, and I mean, keep in mind, we're both musicians. So my husband plays drums with me and I was about to do that national tour. But right after that, we were going into, um, our biggest contract of the year, which is today, like ending today, which is the Calgary stampede. Right. Um, and then a tour in Ontario through August. And my husband is part of that. So very honestly, and I'm not like trying to whine or whatever, I literally am just trying to figure out how to keep my house. Like that is my main goal right now. Mm. And it's that part's kind of crazy. You know, it's like, how do we keep our house? I think of people like Shane and Stacy from Western Swing Authority. Again, you know, there's the couple that are, that are both musicians. Mm-hmm. And we were, we were having these long conversations, like, and, you know, with kids and a house and a mortgage. And <laughs> it's just like, just, it was very, very scary, but um, yeah, I mean, I think it was just a lot of talking with the community, you know? I don't know, a lot of playing live on, I mean, online, figuring yeah. that out. And that's a whole new ball of wax, too, of playing online and, and mm-hmm. you know, all of the Facebook lives and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. it's, you know, you almost kind of feel like you're giving your art away. <laughs> yeah. We are anyway. <laughs> <laughs> like, but that's a story for another episode. On yeah, <laughs> I, I like seriously. It's so don't even get me started. I'm just trying to keep like this is the thing too, right? It's like because pandemic. It, I mean, I I I'll speak for me, but I am crazy outgoing. I don't know. I'm I hate to bring up the enneagram, but I'm absolutely in love with it. I'm a seven on the enneagram, and what that means is I'm you know positive to a fault. Negativity is like my biggest fear. I run away from it. And even with that, like this has dragged me down into some dark valleys. So I have noticed that we do get bitter a little bit more easy and a little bit quicker 
now, understandably, right? But you know what I mean? Like me with that little crack, like, oh, we don't make money anyway. Ha ha. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, yeah, it's totally true. Um, the industry is totally broken, but it also is what it is. And uh, I, I'm really actually trying to make an effort to just exist, enjoy and to and, you know, figure out how it is that I, that I'm going to continue to live and make my art and enjoy it because I am seeing so many people get bitter and leave their art. And I just, I couldn't, I couldn't exist that way. So I need to find out how to do it with a smile on my face. Your, uh, your positivity is one of my most favorite things about you. So (laughs) about wild summer. Now this is, you know, uh, a great, uh, obviously summertime song and your last, uh, radio singles, not right now, what you need wild one. You really, the opposite, right? It was, you were really offering your heart out, uh, in, in in public. Right. And this one is a little bit more, uh, it's a, a lighter feel of course for summertime. (laughs) You can call it a, pop sellout amy because that's just what it is come on danny uh yeah it (laughs) here's the story about wild summer i actually um i effing love this song i love it so much and it is the fastest song i had i've ever like for its lifespan i i wrote it in february recorded it in february and put it out the second week of March. Bam. Cool. Yeah. And you know what was crazy? I was working, um, my wonderful friends, the Dungarees at radio starting in January. And I mean, we won't get into the battle that that is in general for an independent artist at radio, but I mean, they're such a talented band and, and they do really well. And, um, you know, just getting the feedback from radio and and realizing how intensely sick the Canadian content market is. Uh, again, it goes back to the the bitter attitude of the independent artists. So this is the conversation I had with myself. And, you know, I kept, you know, we, we get going and we're like, oh, it's a good song. And, you know, radio only plays... <laughs> Luke Bryan and Florida Georgia Line and songs about trucks and booze, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we fall into that. And it's, I mean, gosh, it's true. So then I sat at my desk and I was like, well, Danny, if you think you're so good, then just give radio what they want. Like, you know what they're playing. So just write a song that they're playing like that, that you're, that you're proud to put your name on. So give it this criteria. So that was, again, my criteria, kind of like how I wrote Wild One. And uh, so I told myself, okay, I'll write a a really upbeat, just fun loving, like for me, as always, you know, it's kind of, it touches home because I'm, I'm talking about Lake Simcoe actually in the song in my mind. And, uh, and I just wanted it to be something that was just super fun and felt like a great song for summer. And then we literally flew out to Toronto and recorded and I sent it to my producer and I said, I want, I want you to go crazy with this one. Like, I want you to produce this for the song instead of the record, because without any um, spoiler alerts on the record, this, the, this stands out from it. And uh, I said, just produce, I want every song produced for the song instead of producing for the record, like my last record. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he had so much fun. He's like, I hear it. I hear exactly what it's going to be. And when he sent me some of this, his ideas back, I was like, yeah. And it was so fun recording it. I absolutely fell in love with this because I've always said, um, I've always had a little bit of, of trouble 
being put in a box. I almost called my record genreism, uh, <laughs> but I, but, <laughs> but I didn't. Thankfully, uh, it's now called undefined. Uh, but you know, as a songwriter first, it sucks to have to tick a box when you put a record out. Yeah, right. It's like, what, what genre am I? What mood was I in? Right. Like, it. I, I've. I mean, there's three songs that aren't going to go on this record because. I literally think the CCMA would kick me out, <laughs> but um, <laughs> they're also very, very weird. Um, but you know, like this, this one, I was like in a super Marin Morris kind of mood and vibe when, when I was writing this and uh, yeah, I, again, anyway, sorry, that was a long story of, of me just putting something kind of less, you know, less deep, less vulnerable, just really, I just wanted to make people smile and uh, and also tip my hat to to the lake I grew up on. So I love it. So feeling like, uh, you know, this was a song that, you know, you you went into thinking, OK, if country music want uh, radio wants this, yeah. I'll give them this. Yeah. But it, it turned out to be a uh, a positive happenstance. So that's <laughs> yeah. uh, that's it works out then. Yeah, it does. I just need radio to start playing it. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> yeah, I was like, guys, I did this for you. Come on. <laughs> so when you say that uh, you consider yourself a a songwriter first, um, yeah. When you you know when with with your previous um, radio singles and other songs that you've written, how does that come about for you? Like, where do you? You know, do you jot down your ideas? I always ask this because, and I ask mm-hmm. Scotty the same thing too, because I'm not wired that way. So I, yeah. I you know, I, I'm truly interested where this, the, the place it comes from. Yeah, the process for me, you know, what's crazy is I am not a lyric person, which probably sounds odd considering my songs, like Not Right Now and Stronger Now and um, What You Need. But I, I mean, thankfully that without sounding super cheesy honestly i'm i am a woman of faith and for certain songs like not right now and stronger now i i do feel like i'm a i was given a gift and sometimes i'm just a vehicle and anytime i write a song super quickly sometimes i just feel like it was supposed to be written and for those kinds of songs where it's such a vulnerable and and hopefully inspiring song then i think it was just supposed to be written that's super cheesy but i do mean it and so it just falls out but i like riffs i'm a riff writer um <laughs> says the girl that can't play a solo for <laughs> her life She's on it but i like riffs i like chord progressions um i i write a lot on piano first and then i usually mumble syllables i'll find the amount of syllables i want in a sentence and then i let uh whatever the universe let the words fall out and hopefully they make sense i could point out some really really ridiculously funny lyrics that don't make sense but because <laughs> i sing them so pretty you would never notice <laughs> so do you have a kind of a, a do you have like a, a formula because i know like we were talking to jamie warren for example and mm-hmm. he's got kind of a formula that works for him or are you just kind of all over the map and it's like you know throwing all spaghetti the at the wall yeah always okay. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's never, I mean, just ask my band, like my bass player, like starts begging me for the first three songs of our set, like a week before a show. And I will never, like, I mean, I'll just name three songs, but he knows the chances are I'm going to walk on that stage and 
look at the crowd and be like, nope, it's this one. Like, I, I can't plan a thing. If you if you paid me to plan, I probably couldn't do it. There's some good marketing for my business. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, though? I think that that's probably kind of a, a standard thing, right, Scotty? I mean, you, you give your musician's point of view. I, I'm probably pretty similar to you, Danny, in that, you know, it starts with a chord progression or a pattern of some kind and it's largely the same it'll start off with uh, a melody and then it just becomes an exercise in filling in the blanks in a way that hopefully makes somebody feel something yes exactly and when they do mission accomplished exactly. you know for me that kind of overrides everything else that that can really beat you down but yeah i'm with you on that one so I want to, before we kind of get into, you know, uh, Danny back in, in, in the past, I want to talk about uh, Taylor Entertainment. This is exciting. Ooh, yeah, is it? It's crazy, if anything else. <laughs> Considering you can't plan your way out of a cardboard box. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um you know what? So, so as I had mentioned, I had, I was working at the dungarees. So I'll try and summarize this really quickly. Um, I've always done my own music business, like forever and ever. Amen. Uh, to be honest with you, mainly we can probably talk about my past a little later, I think, but, uh, we'll talk about just like the past six years of, of me being in the country music family, but I've always done my own, uh, business portions for that. And, and then I met Jill Snell, and, um, you know, we, we hit it off. I actually forced myself upon her <laughs> <laughs> and she had no choice, but to be my friend. And, uh, and I think we worked really well because she knew that I didn't, I honestly, I didn't want anything from her. I didn't want to be signed to her label. I, I just, I just really liked her. Um, and also I picked her brain and she helped. And then apparently she saw my business mind and, and she asked for some help with, with the the artist that she had on her label and uh, I saw it as a as a learning experience which I which I I'm obsessed with I love learning and knowledge and uh yeah so I started helping out a little bit with her label and then I started doing some radio tracking for her artists and then um with her blessing and encouragement I broke out on my own in January and worked the dungarees by myself. Um, oh. I just love, I just love them. So for me, what it came down to was, and Jill knew this, I won't name names, but you know, she would present some artists that were bigger than, um, and I will say it's not Tay by the way, because that's her biggest artist and I absolutely love him. And there's not a hope in heck that she would trust me with him. So it wasn't him. <laughs> that's the spirit. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I just, I just want to be clear because that guy's amazing. Uh, but no, you know, she would present some people and, and I just would, I am honest. Like my whole goal moving forward is I am like, this is honest and integrity um, that unfortunately is something that's sometimes rare in this industry. And there were artists that I just said, I can't, I personally can't stand behind that. Like this industry, the radio people know who I am. They've heard my music. They've heard me. I'm loud and proud. Um, so I have to be pitching something that, that I believe is great. And so the dungarees have always been that to me. Like they are, if you go and see those boys live, mm -hmm. I mean, they'll blow your mind every time. 
I know they've pounded the pavement. I know they've put way too much money into their recordings because we will never see it back. We know that, but we still invest into the product. Um, and that was always like super important to me. So, uh, yeah, so of course I would fight for them, you know, and, and I'm also very honest with my artists. This, by the way, Taylor Entertainment is, is me, um, providing artist services so that's kind of how it started so it's it not a label done, per se not a label i almost wanted that to be my slogan taylor entertainment not, not a label, label. Yeah, like it. brooklyn nine nine not a doctor <laughs> <laughs> Frimula. right like that was my big thing is that um i don't want a piece of anything i right. in fact my my husband is like thinking I should, <laughs> should probably charge more. <laughs> I'm pretty, I work pretty hard for, for these, these people. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, that was kind of my thing. And then, and then, you know, and then Mallory Johnson came on board and again, there's another artist that has Mallory's paid great. her dues. Mm-hmm. She's so good. And then, you know, and then lately like JJ Shiplet, which came through J word artists, yep. um, Jill Snell and company. And, um, these are all artists that heck yeah, I will go to bat and I will go hard. And now I have this relationship with radio and they know what I stand for. And they're, you know, responding now, even if it is just with feedback, believe it or not, that's an accomplishment. Yeah. Yep. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm just really proud of it. So the company became official, you know, social media official, because I realized it was just a little weird for me to promote these artists online through my Danny Strong stuff. Right. Like, you know, it was fine. I mean, I, I'll promote artists all the time that I love, but I just wanted to give them their own platform and sing their praises and something official because I, re- I really am. I really am um, a, just an advocate for these people that have worked their asses off. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like getting emotional right now because I mean it. Like, listen, everybody works hard. Like, you know, the Dean Brodies, the Tim Hicks, the Brett Kissels, the Megan Patrick's for crying out loud. Like, I think Megan is incredible. I do. The girl has paid her dues. She's played the circuits and the bars. A lot of people don't know that. They've she's played the four sets a night to drunk people yelling, uh, play some Skinner while we play Sarah <laughs> yeah. McLaughlin. Like you yeah. know, we've I've done that. I did that for ten years. I know Megan's done that, and yeah. I'm really happy for her. Um, but for these artists that that don't have this that same success, um, you know, that are still pounding the pavement, uh, I want to be a voice for them, and I'm really trying to work hard to. Um, yeah, we may not make top thirty on the media based chart, but if I can start you know, getting more and more features or even I'm really hoping to talk the stations into making more features available for artists like mm-hmm. that even. And, uh, and it's, I think there's, there's being some progress and there's a mutual respect, which is, uh, yeah, anyway, whatever. I'm passionate. I, I love these, I love hardworking musicians. I think that, uh, they're amazing people. So like for, myself. for those <laughs> out there, Danny, who don't know what label services is mm-hmm. can you mm-hmm. just explain to uh to those people what exactly label services are and how you go right. about doing what you do mm-hmm. um so i mean there's obviously an array of things and for me first of all i've, I've already since announcing this artist service company have spent a lot of the time on the phone in fact i have two calls lined up today for after this podcast that are, are just just a phone call of artists picking your brain and and that's my thing 
Um, there's a bunch of services out there that can be done. There's a lot of stuff you can pay for. Um, to my detriment, half the time, I'll tell you, you don't need me for that. Um, for example, like I'll recommend, I, I just, I had a phone call with an artist, an Ontario artist, a female, and she is, uh, just a, a wonderful talent, a great writer and just doesn't know what to do next. Right. So, um, she has the potential to be signed probably, but I, I kept, and she was talking about PR and talking about, um, this and that. And finally I said to her, what are you doing with your, like, what is your product? Where are you recording at? Right. So for me, I'm like the number one thing before an artist even gets to me, they need to know that they need to be dumping their money into their recording. Yeah. I don't care. I don't care what, like, you know what I mean? Like, that's the thing. Like, if you don't have a radio quality product, don't even bother totally. trying. Like, so that's my main thing. And then once they have that, if somebody has a radio quality product, then, I mean, label services, I mean, you it's education on your rights, which if I'm totally honest, I'm not sure that labels actually do that um, <laughs> because a lot of the rights go to them. And what I mean by rights are there are three different royalties that you can collect on as if you if you are for me, I am the sole writer, so I can use myself as an example. Um, so Wild Summer, I wrote it 100 percent by myself. There's no other songwriters. Um, I, I am not signed to a publishing company, so I get 100 percent of the publishing and I own the masters. So lucky me, um, I get all of my royalties. So it and a lot of indies, you know, if they haven't signed or whatever, if they're uh, that that they qualify for those royalties as well. So it's that education on that, um, helping them set that up. The other portion is releases. That's what Scotty and I talked about earlier. Just making sure that you do that right because you can do it really wrong. So if all of a sudden you've paid all this money for your recording, and, and I'm talking like, oh, well, I'm super transparent. My first record cost me almost $70,000. All things said and done. So if you take into you know, paying your session musicians, paying for the hotel every time you go down, paying for all the meals for everybody, playing, paying for your producer, for your studio, um, all things said and done, it was about sixty to 70000 And we got a home equity loan because we're smart. If you spend, <laughs> right, that's like <laughs> hashtag parenting 101, yeah. put your money into your music. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, if you put... <laughs> You put all this money into a recording and then you fail on a release. It's like, that's such a shame, you know, and uh, you, you won't always win. And and what is a successful release? I mean, I don't know if you, for me, wild summer, because I got so many curated playlists and stuff that like, I'm so grateful for that. Um, that, that to me, that was a, a very successful release. And the goal is to kind of do all the steps, right. Um, you can't guarantee anything ever, but if you make all the right steps, your chances are way higher than than if you just put it out without a plan. Right. Um, so release is another, and then obviously the radio side of things, which is a whole different world. Mm -hmm. So um, radio, I'm very, 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 very picky with who I work with. I'm also really, I've probably offended a lot of people already. Um, you know, because I, it's just, I'm all about truth. And so a lot of the time it's just saying, you know, unfortunately that like, I can't tell you, I can't get them to play this in my opinion. So don't pay me. And if you find somebody else to take your money, maybe don't give it to them. <laughs> <laughs> like, right. Like, cause that it's like, that's the thing. So radio is a different world because I try to operate on honesty, integrity. 
a lot of the time it's just letting people down or, you know, gently encouraging them to, to really look into their product. But all the other things I'm, I can do for anybody and I'm super happy to do it. So. it it's like uh, you you go through as a as an artist or a band, you go through all of these steps. So you you get your musicians, you get the songs, you get the recordings. Uh, by the yeah. time it gets to radio, it's like level six of Jumanji. <laughs> you know, like gotta... <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, it so is. And you know what's so crazy is there's no like nobody. There's no manual. And nobody talks with anybody. Like, I have to say, it is the most disconnected industry I have ever seen in my life. And and I mean, I will go even as far as, I mean, and it's interesting and it's fine, but I mean, you can't blanket statement even radio. Every single station um, operates independently, even stations with under one umbrella. So, like, if you're a Rogers station, that doesn't mean that, um, you know, Ottawa wants to communicate the exact same way as, you know, Fort, Mc, Fort McMurray likes a phone call, but Ottawa likes an email. Like, you know, I, I don't, I'm not saying that they do, but you know what I mean? Like if that, there's no protocol and there's no blanket statement. And then even with the royalty end of it, this is what I'm really doing deep research on right now is there is like so much just sitting there and nobody tells you nobody. If you're an independent artist, you have to dive into that yourself. And and even for me, like, I have two full songs in their entirety played in a movie that is on um, Amazon Prime. And so I've been trying to figure out, like, I mean, you get your initial licensing, whatever, upfront fee, which is nothing to write home about. But then, you know, looking into all that, like, it's just so interesting for me. And this is the type of stuff I love to educate the indie artists on because it's important. And so even if, like, my goal is to just educate and then encourage independent endeavors, you can do this, but here's some things you should know type of thing. That was a really long, squirrely answer. But that was great. Yeah, yeah. So. All right, so let's. Uh, are you cool if we back it up? Yeah, totally. Okay, so Danny, did back you it uh, back it on up? Um, <laughs> I'm dancing as I said it. Can you we picture are it? off the rails right now. <laughs> Mom, back. <laughs> I feel like I have like I'm dancing like there's a Nelly song playing. Well, no, because I want to. Uh, I want to um, get to you know how things started for you. So, did you come from a musical family? No, not at all. Uh, just no. I'm not going to expand. So, <laughs> no, I didn't. How did you first discover that you could sing, or that you had, you know, a uh, uh, that you were good at songwriting? Yeah. Any of that? Grade seven. Grade seven. Um, actually, out here is like I whatever I grew up out here at Salmon Arm and I picked up the trombone for grade seven band and I loved it. <laughs> Amy's giggling. She's like, of course she did. <laughs> I, I made a face of like trombone. <laughs> you Hi, might as well pick up the bassoon. And I'm a tromboner. 
<laughs> I actually played uh, both the trombone and the bassoon. You did? I did. The burping yeah. bedpost, yeah. I used to call it. I I played uh, trombone, valve trombone, tuba, and uh, baritone. And I actually, buckle up, Amy, I went to, <laughs> I got a scholarship to York University for trombone. Stop it. Stop <laughs> I did. Um, Danny, will you play trombone on my next record? <laughs> yes. Okay, I cool. Will. Or tuba. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I actually t- I fell in love with the trombone, which inspired my father to buy me a guitar, and that's how it started. <laughs> Literally, that's what happened. <laughs> wow. So, so I d- yeah, I just loved um, any instrument, any instrument that was in the house. I I honestly like picked it. At the end of high school, I played seven instruments, and uh, I like I trumpet's probably one of my favorite. I don't read it. I'm not super quick with treble clef, but I mean I can. I teach guitar, but um, yeah, I played trumpet and and sax and guitar and piano. And piano was my favorite of all, but I've never taken piano lessons. But yeah, that's how I started. Was that was it? And then decided, like I told you earlier, I wanted to be a music teacher. And then when I graduated high school in Salmon Arm, uh, I went to Toronto, went back to Toronto, uh, which is kind of, where it's kind of boring. And then my parents split when I was seven and I came out to BC and then I came back after grad. And uh, yeah, and then I was in university and uh, long story short, my best friend died when I was in first year university. So <laughs> my story's kind of crazy. In my graduating year of high school, my mom left BC. And when she left BC back to Ontario, um, I said, peace out. I'm staying here because they have OAC and I'm not going back to a grade 13. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like about to graduate and mom was leaving. So I, she, she left and uh, I stayed and I was also valedictorian that year, brag, brag. Um, So I didn't, I had a reason, you know, I just didn't want to leave. I loved it. And, um, so I lived with my best friend, Candace, and that's, and it was a, an amazing end of my high school year and really school, like my teachers kind of raised me. I, I loved school. Um, I didn't like get amazing grades, but I just loved everybody there. And then after grad, I went to university and then that girl that I lived with, Candace, she died of meningitis. So I'm saying that because I, in hindsight, I'm pretty sure <laughs> that played into like me dropping out of university and all that. I totally thought I was fine as, as it was happening, but, um, you know, a best friend in high school is like a marriage almost. Mm-hmm, right. Totally. So it kind of hit me, um, pretty hard. And, and, uh, and, and I was in a band and stuff and I was, I was playing a rock band at the time. And, um, yeah, so I dropped out, <laughs> I dropped out to be a rock star, which was, super fun you know fast forward another little tidbit when mickey my son was born he actually contracted meningitis when he was seven days old which was like yeah super crazy i had just lost i had lost my best friend to it and it's such a rare thing but he made it and that's good and i think candace probably was his angel yeah so that was the high school end of it and then dropped out to be a rock star and um that's kind of where everything started right there so how did you end up on uh, uh, country music's path? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, they, you know, it's no secret. I was definitely 
I guess in rock, but I mean, again, what is country now, right? Like, this is, uh, so my biggest tears growing up were Tom Petty and Sheryl Crow. Like, there's no, there's no two ways around that. That's for sure. And, and if you ask me, both of their music today is really kind of country um, in their storytelling and, and whatever. Like, they both have those roots for sure. Uh, but also, I also really loved the old country. I was never, ah, Garth Brooks was like also my hero through the 90s. So I've, I've always had country in my life, like Alison Krauss, um, Dina Carter, Garth Brooks. Uh, actually, Dina Carter was one of my heroes too. So I kind of just loved everything. But um, when I was moved to Toronto and I dropped out of university and was going through that time in my life, um, I ended up working for a music studio and I started teaching (laughs) and at that studio is where I met my now husband Grant who back then we were just best friends for a very long time to the point that I was just a kid like I was like 17 or 18 I remember one day Grant was teaching down the hall he was teaching drums and I was teaching guitar and I saw him and I was like ran down the hall and I jumped on his back and I wrapped my arms around his neck and he like threw me off. And he's like, ew, your boobs touch me. You're like my sister. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 uh, I, go, Grant. I, out, <laughs> I, I, I kind of left out the part that I was a, an enormous tomboy. <laughs> so I was like, I didn't, you know, I didn't care what I looked like ever. And then, um, so Grant was in a band called the salads and the person that owned this music studio, um, also owned a promotions company. I'm trying to like, and then basically blah, blah, blah. I ended up like, you know, saying I, I that I really wanted to like learn this more. So he took me out on the road for a tour once and, uh, gosh, I'm trying to think of how old I would have been, maybe like 20, um, maybe, maybe 19 or 20. And so I went out on the road with I mother earth, uh, theory of a dead man and Clark Nova. Nice. And I was the only girl in a crew of 22 people and three tour buses. And, I was, I was crew. I was hospitality. And of course I was the merch girl. Right. Right? So I did like this insane amount of work. And I remember I was like, I, if I ever get famous, I'm going to pay my crew three times what everybody else pays. I was like, it was such an interesting tour. And then, um, interesting tidbit again, that not many people know about, when so this guy Zeke, who is is still one of my best friends to this day, he was running all this, and um, he still manages I Mother Earth and Finger Eleven, and he he knew that like I wanted nothing more than to be on a stage. Now you have to picture me in like I can't remember what year this is, like whatever two thousands. I'm wearing like board shorts, like <laughs> down past my knees, <laughs> skate shoes. I wear, you know, I'm wearing a tank top and and my hair in two giant buns, like every day, like up on the top of my head. This is like this kid. I was like a little skater kid, like Avril Lavigne's (laughs) picture. And uh, Zeke knew that, like, I really wanted to do this. So he comes up to me. I'll never forget. We were playing Oshawa at La Scratch. And I Mother Earth was at the radio station doing an interview. And Zeke, (laughs) 
Zeke looks at me and he's like, hey, Danny, I don't think the boys are going to make it back for sound check. Do you think you could go and do it for them? <laughs> I'm laughing right now because, <laughs> because back then I literally believed that me and my acoustic guitar could do a sound check for iMother <laughs> and it would be adequate. <laughs> So I was like, oh, uh, yeah, for sure. I can do that. <laughs> Meanwhile, I now look back and he was obviously like, listen, do you want to go play on the big stage? Right. <laughs> so um, so I'm like literally feeling youthful, which is super cool. I thought I was like the raddest chick ever. And I get up there and I'm playing like my old Takamini and I'm playing. I specifically remember I was playing um, a Cheryl Crow song and they walked back in. So the boys were back and from my mother earth and christian the drummer he got up and started playing with me and brian the singer he got up and started singing we were jamming and jag was like nowhere around he's the guitar player and he is like hiding he's kind of quiet anyway I, he wouldn't come up on stage and when i was done it was like the best time obviously ever right so i'm like oh this is crazy and then i got off the stage and jag like pulls me to the side and he's like hey like have you ever blah 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 something about writing and 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 uh, we exchanged numbers and that basically started like after the tour I started working with Jag and I actually did like a record with Jag Tana and we like did this incredible stuff I still have the recordings of it it's like it I could say it's like literally like Danny Strong singing with I Mother Earth because he played all the instruments that's rad it was so crazy. It was super, super cool. And, um, and like, I remember they had this, like, studio um, downtown Toronto. And I remember, like, you know, I'd be recording in there. And one day, like, Chris Murphy from Sloan walked in. And he's, like, making faces at me, trying to, like, fuck me up while I'm doing my songs and stuff. And, you know, I'm just, like, a kid. I'm also from Salmon or BC. So I literally didn't know, by the way, who I, I Mother Earth was. Like, <laughs> I, was just a, I was just a kid. I remember my first show. I looked at Zeke and I said, these guys are really good. <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> meanwhile, Bruce was like doing backflips off the bass amp while like, <laughs> playing 16th note runs. Mm. Uh, and it was like, you know, it was just such a cool experience. But, um, you know, without getting into too many details, I'll just say um, as an understatement that it didn't end well. Um, <laughs> so I d haven't done anything with that recording at all, unfortunately. But um but yeah, it was crazy, man, to do that. So obviously through Jag, like I met, I met quite a few people, and and uh, what a wild experience that was. And then I basically kind of when that ended, um, I was, you know, I had also, oh, I remember what it was. Sorry, guys. Uh, from there, so Jag and I had a fallout. Um, we're still going to mend that. The day is coming. And then I was pretty pissed off. One of the things that he said to me. And we were both we were both heated, so I'm not I'm not trying to I'm not trying to rip on this guy, but um, one of the things he said was, uh, "You would never even make one of those shows," <laughs> and he meant like you know those stupid TV shows because that was all the rage. And I was like, anytime somebody tells me I, I can't do something, of course I'm going to go do it. And I was like, oh yeah, okay, fine. And then I went and um, auditioned for Nashville Star. And I chose Nashville Star because it was the only television show that let you play your own song. Right. And then, yeah, lo and behold, I, I went and auditioned in Indiana and I made it. And I was the only Canadian to make top 50 and make it to Nashville. And uh, I was on the show with Casey Musgraves. 
And uh, her and I were sitting in the room, and she got on stage. We went, we played the stage on Broadway in Nashville, and <laughs> both of us were on the final night. And uh, look at us now. That's <laughs> Awesome. Look at us now. I'm yeah. sorry, but this is one of the things that I love lots about this podcast is mm-hmm. hearing stories that a lot of people might not have known about you because, right. you know, right? Like you were on Nashville yeah. Star with Casey Musgraves. That's pretty darn yeah. bad. <laughs> yeah, you know, that was like just an incredible. It was really actually an incredible. And that that obviously sparked everything for me, country, yeah. because yeah. I, to be honest, I realized I was country. Like, I realized my writing, I sang Pumpkin, which is on my, it was that Pumpkin is actually the only thing that survived me and Jag, Tana. I had written that and and that was a song that I was not willing to let go of. I wrote it for my dad. And so I, I sang that song at, in Nashville and um, I'll never forget the first piece of media that I had ever had written about me was from that night. And the newspaper article or whatever said, Two of the songs, two of the original songs that stood out on the night was Pumpkin by Danny Strong. And then I can't remember what the song was. And Such and Such by Casey Musgraves, which was co-written with Miranda Lambert's father. And uh, I just like for me, that was the takeaway. Like I didn't care about anything else. Like because to me, I was like, oh, my writing. I mean, here's the reality of those TV shows, by the way. I had done four um, auditions to get to that point. And my second audition was in front of the judges, um, in Indiana. (laughs) Amy, you might get a kick out of this. One of them (laughs) was Cowboy Troy. Cowboy Troy was the one that asked me, he asked me the question on stage, are there any country artists that you don't like and why? And literally I was screaming in my mind, you, (laughs) I you not like I'm staring at Cowboy Troy and I'm like come on and so I literally so instead I'm like oh, oh, oh. I'm like uh Jody Messina and he's like why and I was like because my give a damn butt is busted is the worst lyric I've ever heard of my life like so it's like <laughs> and like but I remember it was like him that asked me like you know who's the one anyway yeah so it's Cowboy Troy and then yeah so it's blah blah we get to Nashville and then you go through all these rounds and 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 I make it to the final day. So I'm performing on the Friday at the stage that night. And that's the night that they select the top 10. So there were 50 of us that made it to Nashville. And on that final day, we had already been there for three days going through stuff. Um, you know, we're filming the whole like going backstage and doing the whole, you know, you know, before they show it on television, they play the whole like, hi, I'm blah, blah, blah. And they play this music or whatever in the background. On that final day, we're all sitting in the, they had us like corralled, basically like cattle in a room. And all of a sudden the door opens and literally five people walk in and they are like, you just knew they're all carrying like these insane instruments and like, they just look incredible. And I looked at my friend, Marcy Hook, and she says to me, she goes, well, we know who at least five of the top 10 are. And sure enough, all five of those people made the top 10 and they walked in from labels on the last day. It was, uh-huh. yeah, it was so unfortunate. So, I mean, I'm whatever it was a show, right? It's a TV show. What do you expect? But, yeah. but yeah, they all walked in and, and uh, it was pretty crazy, but yeah, I didn't make it. I didn't win. <laughs> well, I think that's a, a super rad story. And you know what? I, I bet, you know, the, the the small accomplishments that turn into bigger accomplishments, that probably is what keeps you uh, going and, and driven mm-hmm. today. 
big time. I'm all of it. Like I said, I, I, all of it. It is these stories I, as they're happening, you never know how amazing that experience is. Like I live in a little tiny town in the Rocky mountains and God bless the people here. But there are many people that have literally never left. And, and I'm so grateful that I have all these wild and crazy stories um, from this journey that, gosh, like I said, like, this is why I just, I'm just trying to figure out how to keep on doing it with a smile on my face and to continue to create these memories because, um, yeah, man, it's such a blessing and it's so fun, you know, it's, it's just really fun. And yeah, obviously that, that led into me making the record and then, and here I am today. (laughs) Okay. We got to ask you about, uh, Mrs. Jones. Uh, this yeah. is the new release on the streaming services. Yeah. Uh, I was surprised to see that there were two versions of Mrs. Jones. So I want <laughs> to know the whole story. Clever, Scott? What's that? <laughs> I said, did you think it was clever? I, I did think I it was clever. <laughs> I w- so I just hit the Danny Strong uh, playlist thingy, like the most popular mm-hmm. songs, and it played, uh, mm-hmm. I think it played Wild Summer first, and then it played... Uh, what platform? The uh, Spotify, and then it played the Mrs. Joneses back to back, and it was like, mm-hmm. "Wait a minute, this is great!" <laughs> so I want to know yeah. the whole story. Tell me everything. Are you sure? Have you not learned your lesson so far? My well, whole stories are very whole. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> give me about uh, a tenth of the story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So actually, you know what's crazy about Mrs. Jones is when I originally wrote it. So Becky was the original, and. Uh, and, and it just was Miss J- Mrs. Jones. They weren't named at the time. I just had one. And I wrote it on my first radio tour. So actually, Becky has kind of, like I said, this has been in the making for three years. Becky was the first song. And I wrote it in Edmonton um, in a hotel bathroom. I do all my magic in the bathroom, obviously. And um, I wrote it about nothing. <laughs> now that's a song lyric. <laughs> You know what? There's a great joke in here, and I just can't let it go. I I, I do some of my best work in the bathroom too, uh, but oftentimes whatever comes out just ends up being. Sorry. I do my best work in the bathroom. Name me your sex tape. Um, (laughs) I love Brooklyn Nine Nine. (laughs) Me too. Uh, Okay, so Amy asked earlier about my process. And it's funny because Mrs. Jones was really, there's, there was no, that just, that I just started singing. Like sometimes it's funny. I'll be like, oh, I want to be like super country today. And obviously that, that version of Becky is like the very country, like almost bluegrass. Bluegrass, yeah, yeah. Yeah, feel. And so I just started singing lyrics and I just started singing actual words. And then as I was saying the words, I was like, what is this about? And then I realized it was about, um, you know, basically like your typical Mrs. Jones and me not giving a flying fig to to be that. Like, I didn't, you know, I don't care. Like, you're not actually happy. Um, so that first version was like, you know, obviously humorous, a little bit of a Casey Musgraves kind of uh, writing style. Your fellow lyrically. Your arrow kind of vibe. Yeah, you know, a little bit tongue in cheek, obviously. And, uh, and so we went into the studio in February, like this February. That's how long it took for me to be able to afford it. And, um, my friend Gina Horswood, who is an incredible songwriter, but she's like, she's like next level, like songwriter, songwriter. And she said to me, I've always thought this song is a really sad song. 
And as she said it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is like, what a sad story. (laughs) (laughs) And And so in typical Danny fashion with my bass player, this, the, the guy who wants to know the first three songs two weeks in advance, (laughs) <laughs> um, sees me in the studio. I'm at Noble Street Studios, and I'm I'm in like the kitchen area, just sitting there. And and he can see me working on something, and it is not what he knew. And he looks at Grant, and he's like, "Is she rewriting the song? Is she rewriting the song?" <laughs> <laughs> and Grant looked at me, he's like, "Yep." And so it was crazy. That was that was crazy. I lied. That song was way faster than Wild Summer, and we just did this really. Um, so we laid the bed tracks down. When you record a song, you lay your bed tracks, your drums um, and your bass and your guitar um, first. But in order to lay down the drums, you've got to have a ghost vocal. Otherwise, Grant would just be lost. And so I'm singing the ghost vocal to help him lay down the drums. And this is literally one hour after I decided to do this completely new version of the exact same song. And I'm singing the lyrics over these very sad chords. And I realized this can't happen. Like, because the lyrics are literally like, hey there, Mrs. Jones, what's that your dragon? Is that a purse the size of earth on your arm? Like, <laughs> it's like super goofy, right? So I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to, I have to actually rewrite the song. Yeah. So that night we were in the studio till probably, I mean, I flew there, right? So I only, it's not like I have all the time in the world. And we finished that session at about 11 p.m. I drove up to Barrie and basically just got to Barrie and then set my alarm for two hours later. And I woke up and I rewrote the verses to that Mrs. Jones that morning and then left and head back to the studio and laid down those vocals. And honestly, I'm so proud of those lyrics because they I think they do give this beautiful, sympathetic look. Um, into the world of Mrs. Jones. And um, yeah, I'm really proud of them. So, and then that song that we literally birthed right there in the studio won Best Country Song at the International Music uh, Independent Music Awards, like two months after that. Amazing. <laughs> in New York. So, yeah, it was did, amazing. Did Becky or Evelyn win? Evelyn won. Evelyn yeah. won. Okay. Yeah. Becky, I decided because we had Evelyn and because it was like, kind of you know like really crisp it's one of my favorite vocal takes of all time just maybe because it was unrehearsed but i just was really happy with it because that was so um crisp and and fresh and produced i thought hey wouldn't it be cool to do a throwback and record becky live off the floor and so that's what we did that recording of becky is literally all of us kind of looking at each other and uh, playing it live off the floor, which is, I mean, a dangerous move, but I knew it wasn't going to be a single. You know, single, it's, so. it's funny, though, <laughs> that you say that because I was listening to it going, I, th- this is just campy enough that I feel like this was live. Yeah. That's cool. That was. Dig it. Yeah. The only thing that wasn't was we did the gang vocals together yeah. after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it. So that was the only thing that wasn't live off the floor. Everything Super else cool. was. Yeah, I'm really happy with it. Right on, Danny. Okay, let's move on to a segment we like to call Turn Us On, and this is where we get you from uh, your little nook in the Rockies to turn us Mm -hmm. on to something that you've discovered that you can't Mm -hmm. live without. It could be a recipe that you've tried, a TV Mm. show, a movie, a book, uh, maybe a new artist, anything that uh, you've fallen upon that you want us to know about. Sure. Um, I'm going to say kayaking and Joey Landreth. Oh, I Joe. love Joey Landreth. Okay. Now, are we talking <laughs> yep. about kayaking and Joey Landreth as a combination? Well, 
any I would have him anytime, anywhere. So <laughs> I don't have to be kayaking necessarily. <laughs> a big yeah, I would be a real wimp uh kayaker because I'm actually like I'm a like a lake kayaker. Yep. Um I don't take it over any waterfalls or anything or any white water which is all around me. But uh yeah, I just bought one of the like cheapies from Canadian Tire, which anybody can do. And I'm telling you, you guys live in an area. It is the best thing I've ever done, especially growing up. Like my dad's worked at Quinn's Marina literally my whole life. And uh, all I grew up on Lake Simcoe, as you know, and I've been in motorboats and I've like wanted to race sea and all this. And so this is kind of like this. Anyway, I just love kayaking. It is like the most mindful and beautiful thing in the world. Okay. And it's easily done for everybody. And for those who don't know Joey Landreth. Oh, yes. tell baby. Us, tell, good, good luck. Tell us everything. Uh, Joey Landreth. Well, he is. Um, well, okay. I, I, I kind of. My brother is like, is he better than Martin Sexton? Like, because when I was trying to tell him about how good Joey Landreth is, um, Martin Sexton's my favorite songwriter. Um, he's another kind of like whatever rare indie that didn't get any radio play, but yeah. he's my hero. Um, but Joey Landreth, to me, I I think he's untouchable. I do. As far as talent goes, as far as I saw him in Canmore here recently, and um, my whole family went because our whole family is just obsessed with him. In fact, when I got my my Spotify, um, you know how they recap your year at New Year's, and they give you like your top 20 songs. My top 20 songs were both of his records. Right, right. <laughs> like there was no other artist. It was just Joey Landreth. Um, and so when we went and saw him in Canmore, he didn't have the band. It was just him and his guitar. And I'm telling you, anytime you can see an artist like that, and it is the best concert you've ever seen, mm-hmm. that is some next level talent. Like his... His vocal, his guitar playing, his vocal, but his his writing. Um, and then you hear the record, and sometimes when somebody blows your mind and it's just them and a guitar, the record will ruin it, yeah. right? But Joey's records are just, uh, to me, that is what music it should be. They're that stellar. is like, yeah. oh, I put them. His a, voice I don't know, is like think, butter. It's... it's like butter. The backups, though, like the, yeah. the background vocals, his like playing. Ev- the, his playing the bass, like the all, every single thing about if you his like beard music at all, his beard, <laughs> his nose ring, his wife. <laughs> He's the dreamiest of the dreamy, isn't he? Uh, we love you, Joey. I, we love you, Joey. You know what's funny is I think I actually spooked him because like we, I actually don't know. You know, obviously we all have mutual friends or whatever. Um, but Joey and I have like really never met. Um, and my daughter like got super barfy at his concert. <laughs> of course, like I can't tell a story that's just a normal story, right? And literally, we lined up in Canmore. And we got the front row, which was like just this really great intimate venue. And we're sitting on a couch, literally two feet from his microphone. And I am like, Grant has given me the night to like swoon all I want. He's like, you're allowed to like drool. I don't care. Um, So I'm stoked. I've got like everything set up. And then Dottie looks at me, second song. And she's like, mommy, I don't feel good. (laughs) She literally like got bar feet in the third song. We had to like leave in front of everybody and we had the whole couch in front of him poor joey 
So I like messaged him after and I was like, so sorry, dude. We <laughs> got nauseous. We, bu- we booked the hotel and everything like three months prior. But anyway, I think he's seen enough of my, my tags that he probably has blocked me by now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Doubt it. He seems like a pretty rad dude. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that that's what I would turn anybody on with. If you're not turned on by Joey Landreth, there's something wrong with you. So. Excellent. Two very good choices. So, Danny, mm-hmm. this has been an absolute blast. Thank you so mm-hmm. much for hanging out with us. Thank you for having me. It, yeah, That was super fun to reminisce with you guys. When we can get together next, uh, we, need yeah. to, we need to share more. I need to hear more of Danny's whole stories. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. What did she refer to them? Full stories. Full stories. Yeah. Full, whole stories. That's what I have. I'll de- we'll definitely do a part two and, and uh, you know, I can just do the second half. It's ridiculous. I love it. Music is the best, eh? It love sure it. is. Absolutely. Makes the world go round and best it of does. luck with Taylor Entertainment and uh, the, the, the single as well. And uh, we were super happy to have you on the show. Thank you. And uh, yeah, and the new record will be out in 2020. So just keep your eyes. I'm just saying 2020 now. I've stopped saying the month. Okay. <laughs> yeah, perfect. <laughs> we'll, che- we'll be checking on your socials, girl. Thanks, guys. Okay, we'll talk soon. Later. Bye. Oh, she is a blast. I can't even with her sometimes. (laughs) So much fun talking to her. I love love having guests on where I can't get a word in edgewise, Mm -hmm. you know? And Danny, thanks so much for taking some time. You are an absolute delight. Let's talk about social media. We are at the show on the go, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Give us a like, give us a follow, subscribe. We would love to hear from you, too. If you want to shoot us a message, that'd be dynamite. He's Scotty Kipfer. She's Amy Oust. Welcome to the show.